Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Also follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. Uh, so the Leafs coming off a pretty big weekend, a solid performance actually against the Vancouver Canucks, coming out with a 4-2 victory Saturday night uh, on home ice, so in front of the home, home crowd before they embark on their journey back out to the West Coast, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. Uh, but let's chat about this game. Leafs big win over the Canucks, 4-2. That made it three in a row, which was kind of the elusive number. It was like, okay, they just haven't been able to put on a run lately, and it's why I was just just a little bit skeptical, you know, after the Tampa game and then still after the Florida game, and I was like, if they can win three, then I can say, okay, I believe in this team now. I believe that... You know, the adversity that they, that they overcome, that loss, the David Ayers game finally got to them, and then they were going to finally get it going. And it seems like they kind of have, you know, a couple of big wins out in Florida and then a huge win uh, over the weekend against the Canucks too. So that's now three in a row and heading out west for the California swing, and it's not what it used to be. It's not as big as a grind. Sure, the the, the road trip itself it kind of sucks, changing time zones, uh, three games and four nights. But Anaheim? L.A. and the Kings, all bottom feeders in the NHL. That's a potential six points that you can get out of these three games. And that that means that that would put them six games win in a row, right? That'd be great. Um, but uh, let's let's chat quickly about what happened on Saturday night. Uh, we'll get through the good, the better, the best, and then uh, and then we'll get to some more news and notes from around the team. Couple of updates on the injuries to uh, Mar uh, Riley. Morgan Riley, who else was injured? CeCe and Mikheyev. Yeah, so Sheldon Keefe discussing uh, those injuries really quickly. Uh, all right, so let's just get to it. Good. Uh, Got to go with Marty Marincin, right? Like <laughs> going Bobby Orr on us uh, right to, at the start of the third period. Ends up getting the, the game-winning goal. Uh, it was honestly just just a beautiful play. JT spots Marincin, uh, and away he went, curled the puck once he got in over the blue line, fired it off of the bar, and it came out and followed up his own rebound and, and potted it into the back of the net, and it was 3-2 Leafs, and the team kind of went into lockdown mode after that. So it's kind of funny. I was uh, – so this was super, super early into the period – uh, legitimately, and it was in the, the the first minute of the period. Take a look now. 18 seconds into the period, yeah. So what happened was, so I was at the game, but I went to the bathroom quickly, and all I heard was, like, right at the start of the period, everyone erupts, and then I just heard the, the goal song go off. Uh, good old Hall and Oates, and I was like, oh, I, I missed something. It's been 10 seconds. What could I have... How, how could I have missed that? And then I came out uh, right in time to, to see the replay up on the Jumbotron and saw that it was Marty Marinchin with that an outstanding goal and just went Bobby Orr for 10 seconds and uh, gave the Leafs the lead. Uh, so I, I had to give him my good. Also, he he was pretty solid on the defensive end too. You know, he gets a a bad rep because he's so inconsistent. But this is one of his better games, I thought, all around. Uh, taking a look at his ice time, Marty Marincin ended up playing quite a bit too. Uh, um, yeah, so Marty Marincin up over twenty minutes tonight. Twenty minutes, forty eight seconds in that game. Um, ended up with three shots on goal. Had three hits and six blocks, so block six 
of the team's 20 shots in that game. So he was putting his body on the line, and he ended up getting the, the game winner. So had to give my good to Marty Marincin. Uh Better, got to give to Zach Hyman too, man. This dude, every single night, every single night, you talk about consistency, you talk about a warrior. He is the one going out there and willing this team. Like, even if he's not scoring at 5-on-5, you know, he's still just unbelievable. Uh, Austin Matthews came out and said afterwards, like, yeah, Zach Hyman, he turns into Sidney Crosby once it's 6-on-5. And it's true, he was. Hyman was outstanding once the Canucks pulled the goalie, and then he ends up uh, getting the puck into the Canucks end and ended up scoring uh, and getting a, a goal with the net empty. Uh, But, man, Zach Hyman all over the place that entire game. He's so relentless on the puck. Um, He was fantastic in that one. Just take a look at the stat line. A goal in 18 minutes, 42 seconds of ice time. Uh, That was his lone shot on the night as well. And uh, a couple of blocks, a couple of face-off wins. So, Zach Hyman, solid effort out of him. Uh, He was my better. But the best player out on the ice who has been the best player, I would say, over the last month or so for this team, uh, Austin Matthews. Like, this guy just keeps producing. And he really, honestly, every single game, he starts, his defensive game is starting to kind of come back a little bit. There was one play, I want to say it was in the first period or early in the second period, where Jake Vertanen had the puck and and was was kind of coming in off the wing. And Matthews back-checked and knocked the puck off his stick and took away an opportunity. Because Vertanen's done that a lot. Like, his kind of bread and butter is bringing the puck in off the wing and firing a shot uh, off the boards into the back of the net. Like, that's kind of what how he's found success this season because he got such a blistering shot. Matthews, knowing that, back-checked hard and took that opportunity away by knocking the puck off his stick. So not only was he getting it done uh, on the back-check, he was hard in on the four-check again all night. And then, you know, you take a look at the goal that he scored. It was kind of a garbage goal, but still, you know, you, you shoot on net. Put the puck on goal and good things will happen. Go to the net and good things will happen. So he finished with a goal. Uh, he was uh, in 22 minutes of ice time, five shots on net. Um, yeah, a couple of block shots for him as well. So Austin Matthews, I thought that he was, uh, he was probably the best player out on the ice for the Maple Leafs. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll chat more about this game. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you here. Uh, Leafs with a big 4-2 win last Saturday night against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, And it was funny because this one kind of started out, it seemed like it was going to be a shootout. It was very reminiscent of the game Thursday night in Florida where both goalies were allowing uh, some softy goals to get started here. And and just when you think it's like, okay, four goals in the first period, we're looking at a 6-5, you know, 7-6 shootout here and that's not quite what happened (laughs) so you know both goalies kind of settled in I guess after having very troubling first periods Uh, you look at uh, at Demko he allowed that goal by by uh, by goat ended up scoring Freddie the goat and then somehow that shot from Matthews squeaked through Demko's equipment for a goal I, I I swear to you I still watch the replay and I'm like I'm pretty sure that went through him like no, no word of a lie that puck was shot with so much strength that it literally went through his pads and into the back of the net and and you could hear it hit the back of the net it kind of hit the padding on the bottom bar there and that's kind of how you knew that he scored because Demko it, it seemed like he just went down into a butterfly to make that stop 
And next thing you know, you hear it go off the back post uh, or the padding part of it. It made that weird echo sound. And then the the horn goes off. It's just like, oh, he actually scored that? Oh, my God, Demko, what are you doing? So uh, that was kind of a, a bad goal that he allowed. And then, I mean, even like kind of all the goals that the Leafs scored the other night weren't pretty, right? Like, go, yeah, okay, he had a nice shot, but I don't think Demko was was really ready for it, didn't really see it coming. Um, but then the third goal, you know, Marincin, like I said, that anytime Marty Marincin, you make him look like Bobby Orr, that's not a good thing. So uh, the Leafs, they kind of got away with some good bounces and and some uh, some fortunate uh, bad goaltending in that game. Even when you consider like Freddie Anderson early in that game also wasn't very good, um, which was a little bit concerning now because that's a few games in a row where Freddie has stumbled out of the gate. You know, he that first goal by Tyler Mott that was a kind of a tic tac toe from from behind the net, uh, cross ice feed. But then you take a look at that second goal by Tanner Pearson on the rebound. It's like ah, Freddie, you got to have that. And he even saw it. Like he was he allowed the rebound, but he knew where he had put it. And he was going over and just wasn't able to to get a piece of it, and it was two two. But uh, settled in very very much after that, and uh, had some big saves in the third period as well. Um, ended up on the night making uh, twenty one stops. No, sorry, twenty five stops. So twenty five stops for Freddie Anderson on the night. Uh, pretty after a first period that was very very high event. You know, four goals in that first period. The second period was kind of a dud, a really, really low event second, not much going on, neither team scored, and I was talking with um, color commentator for for Maple Leafs Radio, uh, Jim Ralph, in between periods, and he said, it kind of looks like they're, they're both teams after a shaky first period for both players. It kind of seems like they might be playing like they're a little bit scared of their goaltender, and they're both kind of playing a little more defensively as opposed to you know, a run-and-gun offensive style, which they normally play. And that's what it really looked like in the second period because there was nothing going on um, at all. There was no rushes. There was no nothing. So I, I think that he was kind of onto something there. Uh, but then the third period came, and it kicked off with a bang, you know, the, the Mar- Marty Marincin going Bobby Orr on us. So, And then after that, the Leafs kind of just locked things down and uh, went on to, to secure the victory. Uh, but overall, I, I, I really am pleased with the way that the Leafs have responded coming off the David Ayers game. They they could have like they could have folded up like a lawn chair and really spiraled into something bad because that was a tough week last week. Really really tough week. And for them to or the week before, I guess technically starting in Buffalo on the Sunday and then the game in Pittsburgh and then they did have the nice win in Toronto against Pittsburgh on their home and home, but then laid an absolute stinker in the e-bug game. Uh, so that was a tough week, and to respond with three straight wins uh, is is really something that they needed to do. Uh, not only I think for their confidence going forward, but man, the fan base, me along with all you guys, we were all ready to to get our pitchforks out because that this team just was not producing they were not performing at all like when you lose to a uh, an, the emergency backup goaltender that you employ you signed his check this week to beat you he stole two points from you and he had to sign your you had to sign his check how did that make you feel mlse 
Probably not great. That being said, uh, great response out of him. You know, cultivating in a in a three and zero record since that game, and now they head on to the road. Um, where they got this California road trip. So hopefully they can keep it going. That's that's what they need to do. They've separated themselves from Florida a little bit. You know, Florida losing in a shootout. Was it a shootout or overtime? They lost. They got a pity point. I believe it was a shootout, though. Uh, it, yeah, shootout in overtime uh, against Chicago. And then last night they lost as well. So, um you know, they've separated themselves. They got five points, and I believe, actually, since they played last night, Florida no longer has any games in hand. I will double-check that. But if that's the case, now things are looking pretty good for the Leafs. Like, you sit here, both teams, 66 games played, and the Leafs currently sitting five points up on the Panthers for that third and final uh, divisional spot, which they want. So, you know, not bad. Not a bad week. And, and honestly, it's thank God <laughs> that the Panthers are kind of falling apart at the seams here because Toronto the week before kind of fell apart. And the fact that, you know, the Panthers didn't capitalize themselves and go on a bit of a run here, they've done the opposite. They've fallen, just tumbled. And uh, now the Leafs have a, a nice little cushion again. And it just gives you a little more hope going forward. You know, they're starting to get a little bit healthier. Uh, We're going to come back and talk in a couple of moments about uh, some of the injury updates we have to some of our players that have been out for quite some time. Sheldon Keefe speaking about a few guys today. So, you know, they're getting healthier and they're, they're also, you know, the youth and the depth is, is getting, they're being tested and they're answering the bell, which is great to see. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, I will, uh, we'll, we'll queue up. Uh, I got a clip here of Sheldon Keefe talking about all his players and then, uh, yeah, we'll talk about kind of what this means when the players all come back. What does a healthy, fully healthy Leafs lineup look once they get down to the nitty gritty and get into this final stretch of the playoff run and into the playoffs themselves. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll chat about that next. If you've ever been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Leafs is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Leaf fans. Just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives a local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Leaf fans and predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano is still with you at Mickey underscore Canuck on Twitter. So Sheldon Keefe came out and uh, he kind of spoke about Morgan Riley, Cody Cece, and Mikheyev. All three of those guys have been out for quite some time now. Uh, so Sheldon Keefe, 
uh, discussing with the media today exactly what was going on with the team. And uh, here's Keith on that. I know it was Morgan's first practice since January, but how soon do you think you might have him as a game player again? Uh, I don't, don't think they want me to attach any sort of timeline to it, uh, but he's not going to play on this trip. Uh, and then I, I would think that when we get back next week that it's kind of, it'll be sort of a day-to-day type of thing from there. I think assuming everything goes really well, but uh, obviously very positive for us to see him on the ice. And it just he steps in right into doing a lot of our drills, a lot of our full contact drills, and uh, he's been feeling really good. And we just got to make sure that everything continues to have the appropriate amount of time before he gets into the game. Is CC a potential option for the trip? Or I don't know. We're looking at that uh, next week for both of them. And then obviously with Mikheyev, he would be further out. Um, but it's very much looking like he's going to be back this season, which is very good for us. All right. So there you have it. Uh, it looks like they'll be hoping that Morgan Riley and Cody CC can both make a return next week. And Mikheyev might be a little bit uh, a little bit further than that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that as much as we hated on Cody Cece earlier this season, he's a guy who I think is going to end up back into the lineup and on, on a daily basis. Like, at the end of the day, you know, there's just something about Cece that this team is missing, and they believe that he is one of the top six defensemen that they can ice on any given night, and that's what it seems like they're going to do. You know, I would probably prefer not to have Cody Cece out on the ice, but based on everything that I've read, everything that I've heard from both Keith, from uh, the media, from uh, from Dubis himself, you know, they really, really do. Either they're fooling themselves or they're trying to fool us into thinking that Cody Cece is one of their top six defensemen and he will be played when he comes back. Whether or not that'll be the right call, I don't know about that. But uh, the thing that's going for him is the fact that he's a right-shot defenseman. And outside of Timothy Lilligren, they don't really have another right-shot guy. You know, they, with the injuries to to Riley and Muzzin and CeCe, you know, they've kind of had this makeshift defense that they've had to put forward uh, over the last little bit. And they've been trying guys on, on their opposite sides. You know, Dermott had a, a couple of games on the right. Sandine had a couple of games playing on the right side. Um, so they, they're experimenting a little bit to see who can play if a, CC doesn't come back or he struggles and they need to get somebody else uh, in there. So that's... That is something also to note, but I believe that the their main MO is going to get to CC into the lineup uh, as soon as he's back. Um, what does the lineup look like once everyone is healthy? So I kind of went through and made my own little line rushes to see what I believe the line should be or what they will be uh, once everybody is healthy. That's including Riley, Muzzin, uh, CC, Mikheyev, all those guys enter back into the lineup. Obviously, Andreas Janssen will not be back this year. He's kind of done for the season. Uh, if they can make a late, late, like a Stanley Cup, uh, Stanley Cup-esque run, maybe he could get back for that in time if he can recover quickly. But uh, as as of now, I think the, the plan is he's out for the year. But those other guys, they'll be back. And uh, so for me, I, I kind of have it as, you know, Hyman, Matthews, and Marner. I think that line has been 
lights out. They've been amazing ever since they got put together. You know, Marner, he's he's he hasn't been productive as of late, but I still think that him and Matthews and Hyman are probably the best trio to have together to get success. Uh, regardless if Marner is producing or not, Matthews is and Hyman is, which means he is doing something right on a line with them. So keep those three together once everyone's healthy, just like they are right now. Uh, and then I'm going to have Tavares with Willie Nylander, and then I think I would slot Ilya Mikheyev into this position. If you recall when he got hurt, he was kind of being pushed up into the lineup a little bit to see if he could do this role. Uh, I believe that might have been when Marner was injured, or he just had gotten back, but uh, they were kind of filter. Oh, no, Yon- I think Janssen was actually injured the first time he got hurt, uh, and they were kind of just seeing what worked, and, and that second line left wing position was was kind of up and down with players. Captain was given a shot. Kerfoot was given a shot. I think Engvall even had a, a game or two there with them. Uh, but Mikheyev, I think, once he gets back, if he's still the player that he was back when, you know, when he left, he was extremely, extremely off to, um, got off to a great start in the NHL. So if he can come back and be just as effective, you know, be that puck hound like Zach Hyman and be that guy on that line with Tavares and Nylander, I think that's a great lineup, and, and that kind of sets your, your top six up well. And then I got Engvall, Kerfoot, and Kasperi Kapanen as my third line, my shutdown line. I think Kapanen has really taken his game to the next level as of late, and, and uh, he's, he's starting to finally realize that he can't be a goal scorer. That's not what he's going to be. He could score goals, don't get me wrong, and he's going to get the opportunity to do it, but his main M.O. is not to be a goal scorer. His main M.O. is to be a 200-foot player, to be a Zach Hyman-esque player, not a Mitchell Marner-esque player. So that's something that I think he's finally ingrained in. He had a couple of fights last week, and uh, he's back-checking. He's forechecking. Kapanen's playing the best hockey of his career right now. And if he can keep this up going forward, uh, he's a perfect, perfect complement uh, on that line, along with Engvall and Kerfoot, and I really like the way that that sets up for playoff matchups when they're looking to kind of uh, they're looking to to slow somebody down. I, I like that 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 line there, uh, and then the fourth line. This one you can play with a little bit. Uh, for myself, I'm just going to go ahead and go at the center position, flanked by Kyle Clifford and, and Jason Spezza. If you want to put Spezza at center, and then you can either flip Goche to the wing, or he slides out and Dennis Malgin comes in. Uh, there's there's a couple of things that you could you could work with uh, with this fourth line, but I think Clifford and Spezza are are going to be staples here, and then Goche is really that guy who you can bring in and out of the lineup, depending on if you're looking for a more skilled lineup or if you're looking for a more uh, feistier, heavier lineup, then you would probably use Goche. Uh, uh, for defensively, my pairings, I think when Riley gets back, you got to go back to the Riley-Berry pairing. Um, it got off to a slightly rocky start at the beginning of the season, but I just think that if Riley gets back and he's fully healthy, because he wasn't healthy when he was playing with Barry the first time, and Barry's actually played decently well this week in Muzzin's absence. Um, it seems like he's not trying to make the flashy plays. and He's just kind of 
dumbing down his game a little bit, playing a little more simple as opposed to trying to be an electrifying Mitch Marner-esque force, uh, but <laughs> on the blue line, which doesn't work a lot. Uh, but I think Barry's actually... He's he's had a good good stretch of games here in this three game winning streak. Uh, so put those two together once Riley gets back, and I think that's your your number one pairing once again. And then you got your shutdown pairing with Muzzin and Hall. Uh, it, it has worked for the most part this season. Um, so why not put it back together and get her going once Muzzin gets healthy? And then the third pairing probably gonna end up going with Dermot and Cece. If not, uh, we'll see if Sandine maybe ends up going in there, and then Dermot flips over to the right, which is probably what I would do. But it it kind of sounds like they might want to send Lilligren and Sandine back down for uh, for a Marley run or something. Like it just doesn't seem like they're ready to elevate them to starting you know, into the top six full-time and get them all these minutes. Uh, you know, Lilligren's, he's he's had a couple of healthy scratches. We've seen them run with a 7-D lineup just to see what, if they can, so that they can get everybody into the lineup. Um, you know, apparently Sandine might get healthy scratch tomorrow night in San Jose. That's what it's looking like. So it's it's kind of interesting what's going on with those two. Uh, Sandine especially has played pretty well, I would say, in his second stint here at the Leafs this season. But at the same time, he is only 19 years old. And once you get down into the playoffs, are they worried that he won't be able to handle it? Is he going to be able to handle the, the physicality of a seven-game series against the Boston Bruins or against the Tampa Bay Lightning? We don't know that yet. And maybe not. And I think that the Leafs deep down would rather have a guy like Cody Ceci out on the ice who has experience not only in the playoffs but has experience in general and plays a little bit more of a, of a heavy game uh, who you can put out there to kill penalties and, and just be a kind of a big body out there. So we'll see what ends up happening with, with Sandin and Lilligren. You know, I think they are in the plans in the future for sure. You know, CC's going to be gone after this year. I wouldn't expect them bringing him back. I believe Barry's going to be gone after this year. So there's going to be a couple of spots open on this on this defensive um, this defense core next season. And I think Sandine and Lilligren are the two guys most likely to kind of move up and establish themselves as a full time role. But it just seems like they're not willing to do it yet this season. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, while I'm at it, uh, Keith also announced that Jack Campbell is going to get the start tomorrow night. Um, not too sure how I feel about this one. What I believe this would mean, because there's also a, a back-to-back later on in the week, which t- means you're going to start your backup two out of the three games on this California road trip. Now, the th- the thing about that, which is interesting, is the way that it sets up now, unless you play Jack Campbell two games in a row, you're going to skip his start against L.A., which is interesting. Usually you want the revenge game. So we'll see how it ends up getting played out, the goalie schedule. Uh, but it, it, from the looks of it, I think Freddie Anderson's only going to start one game this week. And Jack Campbell, sure, he came from the uh, he came from that division, so he knows these teams well. So maybe deep down, Keith just believes, you know what? Campbell knows these guys. He's played these guys before. Let's give him the opportunity, and I think that he might give us the best chance to win against these specific de- opponents. That could be going through his mind too. We'll get more into that decision uh, tomorrow during the preview episode. So I guess we could say that that was just a little bit of a bonus 
uh, analysis that I gave you for why I believe Jack Campbell is going to be starting tomorrow night uh, as opposed to uh, just the one start in L.A. Uh, that said, I think we'll we'll leave it here and we'll finish up this podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And be sure to check back in here tomorrow where I'll be teeing up the game against the San Jose Sharks. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.